And welcome back, everybody. This is Dave Kale, co-host of Riddles in the Dark, and uh, this particular moment, co-host of Riddles in the Dark Digest. And I would like to um, welcome my brand new, although she's already been on like three episodes, but still kind of brand new co-host, <laughs> Trish Lambert. Hi, Trish. You're... Hi, Dave. You're so energetic. You just woke me up. That's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I'm glad because uh, we have <laughs> we have so much to talk about, don't we? Um, oh yeah, definitely. And I need and I and I'm surprised I'm energetic because I I was up like really early this morning driving through traffic and then endured oh, a uh, almost an entire day of lectures at the um, UCLA Institute of of um, what is the of pure and applied mathematics? So oh my gosh, I'm, cry, I'm a, I, I'm this is my break away from that. I'm really glad to have it. <laughs> you're you're not just a Tolkien geek. I mean, you're really a, like a Big Bang Theory geek. Yeah, that that is that is very true. I'm I'm a <laughs> full fledged geek all over the place. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, so yeah, so uh, we're we're back for another Riddles in the Dark Digest episode. Um, we, if listeners recall, I think we've re- we've we've recorded three. Although at this very moment, we've only released two. I'm probably like, I guess tomorrow, e- either later tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to release the next one, and then we'll probably and then we're recording a new Riddles in the Dark tomorrow morning, and then we'll release that later this week. Then this episode of Digest <laughs> will come out next week. Um. Uh, and then uh, we'll go from there, and hopefully, then we'll be on more of a a more reasonable and not insane release schedule, where we're recording one every couple of weeks, as opposed to like recording them every other, trying to record them every other day. <laughs> right, right, and something <laughs> listeners hopefully can sort of like count on more. Yes, than just like being surprised. <laughs> just being surprised. Although, I, you know, the the surprise is actually kind of nice. Like I, 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 as a podcast person. You know, there's there's some I listen to like NPR ones where they're every day, so you just kind of right. know what time of day to check. But then the Tolkien Professor ones, it's like a little surprise. You just hit refresh on iTunes. You're like, oh look, there's a new one. That's true. And then I like, know. oh man, it's fairies and fantasy. I don't actually listen to that. Dang it. <laughs> I listen. I listen. I listen. <laughs> Yes, and I and I'm sure lots of people do. I just but no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I have those too. I have those ones that I know, like you know, every week they're at the same day they're going to come up, and then then um, with the Tolkien professor, it's like, oh, goody, there's a new one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so but we actually what we probably ought to let people know is we're actually gonna we're we're leapfrogging over one episode, aren't we? Oh yeah, good point. So um, next in our chronology of, of Riddles in the Dark episodes would be eight, which was the Nazgul one. But um, that's just like such a fun topic and so controversial uh, that we want to give um, – we're, we're kind of – so we'll be frank. Our, our analyst contributions kind of trickle off here at this point. Like I have no audio to play uh, for any episodes until we get to number 11, numbers 11 and 12. Uh, because, you know, we didn't do digest episodes for a long time. And so I'm guessing some of our analysts kind of were like, I'm not going to send anything because they're not actually using it. So, um, so we don't have any audio to, to play. Um, and, and in particular, we have like no predictions for father Roderick after episode seven. 
Um, and and I'm, I could probably get them all from him. I'm, in fact, I'm going to. As soon as he gets back from his trip, I'm going to sit down and just do knock them all out with him. But he's on a trip, and he probably won't be back <laughs> for, I think, another week and a half or so. So I, I want to give him a – like, I'm okay with recording 9 and 10 uh, without having yeah. his contributions. Um, I'm really hoping he'll be back in time. We're probably going to wait on 11 and 12 or – yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah. eh, I think we should real games. So I would like to give him a chance and, and some of our other analysts a chance to send us content about Nazgul because it's just such a controversial topic. Yeah, but, uh, I think it's a big topic. I'd like to I really would like to hear what they have to say. Yeah, and I know Father Roderick really will want to talk about that one. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're going to skip over eight. Uh, and, th- and that also gives you, the listener, one last chance to to, t- to chime in on um, on riddle number eight, the uh, the Nazgul question, what will be the main role of the Nazgul in the Hobbit films, and also just your thoughts on the, on this incorporation of the Nazgul in general. Um, and so that gives you a little extra time. So this episode, we're going to knock out uh, Riddles 9 and 10, um, which were related to the opening moment of the Hobbit unexpected journey, and, and more broadly, the frame story and how it will be used. And then Riddle number 10 is uh, Bilbo's character arc, and, and in particular, sort of how is he going to be portrayed in the early parts of the, the show? And how are they going to handle this whole uh, Baggins took type thing? So, so yeah, we're skipping number eight. Um, so uh, we're going into nine, I guess, unless there's anything you want to uh, tackle, Trish. There's no point in doing announcements because this isn't going to be released for another week. So anything no, announced right. will be passed. Yeah. So unless there's anything yeah. you want to address, I guess we should no, dive right in. I think let's nine. just dive in. Yeah, let's just dive right in. Okay. Well, then, to remind people, uh, the ninth episode of Riddles in the Dark was about the frame narrative. We wanted to, to address just sort of that whole issue of, like, how are they going to handle that? We know it's going to be there. And, in fact, um, I'm trying to remember where I saw this, but I saw an interview with uh, Elijah Wood. And he said something that basically indicated that he would be... Uh, um, at the end of the film as well, that he would be bookending the films. I th- actually, right. I, think somebody, I saw the same one. Somebody said, so you're going to be bookending, and he goes, yeah. Yeah, and he basically said yes. So, yeah, so, yeah. And, and for some reason, some people seem to think that was a surprise. I wasn't surprised. That's what I assumed. No. Yeah, right. Um, so, so we know that he's going to be Elijah Wood and probably Ian Holm as Bilbo are going to be um, uh, bookending the film, starting it and ending it, or at least Elijah Wood. Maybe, maybe not Ian. We'll have to see. So we know he's going to be there, but we're just wondering kind of, you know, how exactly, how exactly is the film going to begin if we know we have this frame narrative bookending things and we know it's going to be basically the, the story of The Hobbit, as it's told in the film, will be, will be executed as Bilbo essentially telling the story to Frodo, either maybe directly telling him or maybe via indirectly by like Frodo reading Bilbo's journal or something. Um, so maybe Bilbo won't be physically sitting there, but we have all this other background content that we would really like that, that we expect will probably be at the, the beginning. Like when we were, when we were doing some of our earlier topics and we were talking about like the battle of Azanal Bazaar and things like that, we're like, Oh, maybe they'll start with like an, an epic, um, uh, you know, uh, battle or something like that. The same way that they started fellowship of the ring. And then we just started thinking like, boy, that's really awkward. How are they going to fit that into the frame narrative? And, you know, uh, uh, okay, maybe Bilbo will start say, saying like, "Oh, Frodo, we're going to 
we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna tell you the real story. But in order to do that, I need to go way back and let me tell you about how the War of the Goblins <laughs> and the and the Dwarves began. You know, is he gonna do something like that, um, or maybe that will just just be dropped out entirely. Uh, we don't know. So, um, so we were just kind of very curious about how all of these different sort of historical rich historical elements that we know they're filming because they've been cast and that we know they'd want to use because they're awesome. How are they going to fit that in when the story is already embedded in what is kind of a flashback or a flash forward or something, you know, that there's already this weird frame narrative device taking place. Will doing additional flashbacks to other points in time just confuse things. And so um, we were very interested in that, that, just question in general, and then specifically the the uh, for the prediction, what will be the very opening moment of the film? Are we going to open with a flashback, um, similar to how each of the previous Lord of the Rings films uh, opened, or will we open with the frame device, uh, Bilbo and Frodo? So um, the four options here were, A, we'll open with a voiceover exposition of background story elements a la Galadriel's voiceover in Fellowship of the Ring. Um, so if folks remember, Galadriel just starts, you know, in fact, actually what, what, uh, Fellowship of the Ring began with was in fact a quote from Tree, Treebeard that they repurposed for Galadriel. Right. Where they're talking about the world has changed. I feel it in the earth. I feel it in the water or something like that. It's basically, I, 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 the most recent time I read, uh, Lord of the Rings, I realized that's a Treebeard quote. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, she starts with that voiceover, and then we immediately go to uh, the War of the Last Alliance, and in particular sort of the, the, the battle on sort of the slopes of uh, Mount Doom. And uh, so we're kind of curious, maybe they could do something like that with the Battle of Azanobazar. Uh Maybe Bilbo's narrating it, or maybe some random person like Thorin's narrating it. B is flashback to an epic action sequence, sans voiceover. Uh, this would be similar to the Gandalf versus Balrog um, opening of the Two Towers. And I'm trying to remember if we had something in mind for what they would actually do that for. I don't remember. Um, I'm pulling up the old show notes. I, suppo- I suppose it could start with some kind of bat like the Battle of Azanul Bazaar. You know, and maybe or or Thor, you know, because Thor is is supposedly cast, so yes. it could be you know something like that. I don't know, you know, where there's no voiceover, but we see something, and then later, you know, we get the explanation. Yes. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. I don't have specific examples. Uh, um, but basically, yeah, it would be maybe it would be just the Battle of Azanobazar with with no actual um, exposition. Uh, I that seems highly unlikely. That they yeah. Because then people might not actually know what's going on. We wouldn't know what's going on. Um, yeah. And that answer seemed to be very unpopular. Oh, although wait. although I will say this, Ar- Richard Armitage in interviews has made the point of saying, as when he's asked about Thorin's character, he does very much talk about you know that Thorin's personal um, quest is this vengeance on his, you know for his on on behalf of his family, and you know he's kind of made a point of that. Mm-hmm. So to me. That almost makes this backstory of Thror and, of course, Thryin too, you know, yes. more uh, significant. Yes, but but which which are the variety of tragedies that have happened to them? Was he seeking <laughs> revenge for, or would they choose to portray? Because it could be they want vengeance on the dragon for driving them out, That's and vengeance true. on the necromancer, and vengeance well, on ab- the 
goblins. An epic action sequence could be when Thorin actually becomes Oakenshield. You know, yes. we don't necessarily have a voiceover and we see it happening, and then later we find out. I don't know. I, I think it's. I don't think it's that well, likely. I, that I, I think. Um, I think that uh, just in general. A flashback to Smog's attack on oh, the yeah, Lonely Mountain right. is abs- right. is almost a certainty. I just happen to think that would be at the beginning of the second film, right? Um, right. But so that could be a sort of Gandalf versus the Balrog type opening, where no right. exposition, especially if it's at the beginning of the second film, no exposition would be necessary because we would know what right. was going on there. Right. So um, option C is flashback to an important event with no action sequence. So this would be similar to the uh, Return of the King opening, right? Right. You know, where they give the backstory on Smeagol. Um, we, we really have no good notion of what that might be. Um, it, I don't know. Would uh, would, Azog, was, would Azog throwing throw his head out the door be non-action sequence? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I guess that could count. Um, I guess that would I guess that would sort of count. We were this is yet another one of these questions where we kind of we sort of enumerated answers and some of them we didn't think were very right. likely. And in fact, no. No one yeah, appeared def- to think they were likely because all of the analysts agree that it's D. D. So yeah, that's right. D. Answer D, of course. Of one. The one that I picked and that everybody else picked is a frame story moment involving Bilbo and Frodo. Right. Uh, that will open with a shot of the Shire, and we'll we'll think that we're actually what you know that we're at the start of the Hobbit, but in fact we're actually. Um, you know, 30, 40 years later than The Hobbit, we're actually at some some um, undetermined time between the end of The Hobbit and the beginning of The Fellowship of the Ring, where Frodo's living with Bilbo, Bilbo's working on his journal, Bilbo's living unnaturally long, and sort of gradually disclosing all of the real details about his his adventure to Frodo, as we know that he as as we know he eventually did. So that is uh, that is answer D, and I've already telegraphed that not only did I pick it, but every single one of our <laughs> analysts so far has chosen D. There was absolutely no variation in answers here. So the um, only suspense is what am I going to choose? Yeah, well, and and we also we will will t- give our let our listeners hear sort of what the reasoning from our our analyst right. was, right. which I think is which I think would be useful. But uh, yeah, we're probably not going to end up spending a ton of time on this question apart from hearing what you think because there's just almost no controversy. Um, so I'll start by reading Mark's answer. Um, uh, in fact, I think this is the only one I have to read. I don't think I have anybody else. Right. No, I actually I have an answer from um, uh, Last Alliance as well. Oh, okay, a, a great. short one. Um, so Last Alliance said, they said, we vote D. We know Frodo's going to be in the film. We can't think of any other reasonable way to include him. Since Legolas is also present, it would make sense to us that the beginning of the film was Bilbo, Frodo, Legolas, and a few other elves in Imladris in the hall, sent temporarily when the hobbits stop in Rivendell on their way east, listening to Bilbo Rikana's tales. Uh, a wonderful theory, uh, a great thing to imagine that maybe Bilbo's telling them this story in the Hall of uh, what is it, the Hall of Fires, which is where they right. in Rivendell when when they that's where uh, when Frodo and the other hobbits have made it there and they first find Bilbo, he's in the Hall of Fires. I, I, wonderful theory seems completely unlikely given all of the evidence that we've seen so far that uh, that we've seen shots of Frodo and Bilbo in the trailer in the Shire and we've seen Legolas in action in the main Hobbit storyline you know pulling an an arrow on Thorin so I'm guessing we're not gonna this won't be our opening I think our opening is gonna be Frodo and Bilbo in in the Shire yes yeah Yeah. Um, 
so uh, Mark's theory, uh, Mark's answer and Mar- is... Mark is from Encyclopedia of Arda, yeah, right? Right on, Sorry. right on. And uh, Last Alliance was, uh, when I said Last Alliance, I mean the University of Alberta um, Tolkien Society, the Last Alliance. So uh, Mark Fish from Encyclopedia of Arda says, I don't have much time, I don't have much to say this time, since I com- agree completely with both of you that we're almost certainly looking at option D. I can see the temptation to start the movie with the huge battle scene or the descent of Smog. But surely that would be way too confusing for viewers. I'm imagining su- subtitles. 231 <laughs> years ago, present day, 60 years ago. <laughs> the only way I could really see it working would be to have a quite have a quite fairly long introductory sequence before we get to Bag End, so that it sits more easily in the historical context. But even that seems too elaborate to be practical. I'm more interested to see whether they try to work in the first sentence of The Hobbit in some way. (laughs) Given that it's one of the best-known opening lines of just about any book, I'm wondering if they'll open the film with that phrase, or maybe more likely some kind of visual equivalent. Not being a filmmaker, I can't really see how that would work, but it's interesting to see whether they try. Yeah, that is interesting. I wonder how they would, you know, that is, I mean, it is a really famous line. Yep. Um, You know, I mean, that, I suppose they could start the story that way. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not a filmmaker either, so I don't even know if that would work. I mean, it would work for the Tolkien geeks, but I don't know. Well, you know, it could work because um, if you're, if we're, if we're assuming that this is Bilbo reading from his journal, then um, we, we could begin with the same way that Fellowship of the Ring began, which is with basically a black screen and Galadriel voicing something right. over. And then, right. and then we get something on screen. We right. could begin That's with true. a dark screen and Bilbo saying, um, uh, uh, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit, not a right. nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. You could imagine them saying that, and then... Yeah, you could. That's true. I can even imagine Gandalf saying that. Yeah. Well, I'm sort of imagining Bilbo kind of... Us hearing um, Ian Holm say that, and then sort of zooming out and like, Oh, look, there's Bilbo sitting there in his study, reading from his book with Frodo, and Frodo saying, Oh, that's a a wonderful way to begin the book. You know, the only thing about this is... In my opinion, um, now let's get to this later. Let's get to that later. So, <laughs> so that's Mark's um, that's Mark's comment. Um, do you have sort of? Are there any good, uh, really good comments from the the Mythgard site? I see you posted a few in the notes. Yeah, well, we pretty much have the same consensus on D from the commenters. Um, Jeremy brought up what the Last Alliance kind of brought up, which is to say, you know, nobody's he didn't see anybody saying anything about the fact that they could be, you know, talking when they're Rivendell. So it's uh. the same thing that Last Alliance said. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, I think maybe at the time that this episode was done, we didn't have as much evidence to the contrary. But I yeah. think now it seems pretty certain that it's going to be taking place in the Shire. Hadn't we had a trailer then, though? You know, I was thinking the same thing. I thought for sure the trailer had come out by this time, by the time this we had this this episode. I mean, we just we, so I, I guess again we could be assuming too much, but we just saw these these really convincing shots of Frodo wandering out the back the the front door of Bag End, Bilbo sitting yeah. in his study, right, you know, and Bilbo's over. voiceover saying, you know, I didn't actually I told you everything I told you was true, but I didn't tell you the whole story or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine 
if they were in Rivendell, why would they sh- why would they shoot that scene of them in the mm-hmm. Shire? You know, and I mean, you know, what 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 uh, Elijah Wood always was saying when they were interviewing him was it was great to be back in the Shire again. Yeah, that's true. He didn't say it was great to be back in the back Hall in of Rivendell. Fire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a very good question. And and also, I believe. I'm pretty sure that I also saw somewhere in an interview with him that he basically said that he spent almost no time or that he he shot very little footage. Right. He right. Was, he, he said I think he was there for like a month and he right. said he enjoyed being there and, and, and but and catching up with people and being a part of it but he really but he, I think he specifically said that there was so little he, he was you know shot so little stuff and there's so you know and his involvement is so is so minimal that you know, it, it was very relaxing and there wasn't any pressure to try and return to the character or do X, Y, and Z because it was, right, just, it was right, almost nothing. Right. So, And, you know, my thought is if they were going to do it at Rivendell as part – I mean, that that's kind of cool, you know, a cool thought that they would yes. do it so it would fold in with Fellowship of the Ring. It seems to me like they would have brought in uh, some of the other characters as well, not just yes. Legolas, but, I mean, Gimli and, and the other hobbits. And, yep. you know, we yep. know that they're not – cast so yeah, yeah i mean i in, fair, I think. in yeah and 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 i'm and i wouldn't be surprised if that was at least a factor in the decision for okay we're going to do this frame thing how do we want to do it you know oh i mean obviously right. they must have chosen to do it there they must be setting it in a time period before sam was a permanent fixture at bag end Right, uh, right, and, and that way, you know, and it basically saved money. We don't have to bring back too many of the early cast. We just right. just bring back Elijah Wood. So right, right. So one thing, one thing I would like to say in defense of the Rivendell theory is that in the Fellowship of the Ring film, they the way they play out Phil, Bilbo and Frodo's reunion, um, it makes it seem like uh, like like Frodo has never seen the book before. Because there's this scene in Bilbo's room where he hands him the his journal and he says, you know, um, right. uh, uh, there and back again. And he's turning the pages saying, this is wonderful, Bilbo. And um, and, and, and it's it I guess you don't have to assume that he's never seen it before. Maybe what he's seeing is a completed version or a cleaned up, you know, fancier version rather than just some scribbles and some notes. But it it really sort of heavily implies that he really didn't know anything about the book, hadn't seen it before, right? Right, because which, which would which would make this frame story then more of an, a, a Bilbo telling Frodo the story, not right. reading him the book. Well, I'm just what I'm saying is that the the Rivendell theory actually fits with that quite well. If if that's the first time he's ever seen the book, if he's never really read it before, then it's easy to imagine that actually you know while they're holed up at Rivendell for a few months, like they are in the book. Uh, maybe Bilbo actually—that's the first time Bilbo sits down and reads the book to Frodo. So, well, so, here we have our yes or no question. Because why are we assuming that it's he's reading to him from the book? Um, why? Why wouldn't Bilbo just be telling him the oral story, maybe even before he's written the, the book? So, our yes no question could be—you know—is the book uh, in the, you know, in the film, or is Bilbo just telling him the story orally? That's true. The the other one I was considering, uh, w- motivated by Mark Fisher, was uh, will we hear the line? Um, oh, in the. 
<laughs> and all yes. on the ground there, Luton Hobbit. <laughs> yes, I actually think that's a pretty cool one. That is a pretty cool one. So um, anyway, we we'll we'll think about those. So okay. uh, I I think you know there's some evidence for the or uh, the Rivendell thing is just not completely fanciful, but it just seems very unlikely. Um, yeah. It just seems it, it just doesn't seem to mesh with anything that we've you know any of the external evidence that we've seen. However consistent it may be with with the previous films and we right. know that they want to attach them but um that also seems like it, they have to have the the bag end set and the um yeah. Yeah. they have to have the bag end set they have to have the shire set and all that kind of stuff if they were going to do bilbo reading to to frodo and rivendell they'd have to uh, you know they, they maybe have to add an extra set there the room that they're sitting in and as you said it would make more sense to have the other characters there but it seems pretty clear they're not so i must say it appeals to me a lot because it, it, i mean it, the idea of having this the frame narrative be when the fellowship is at rivendell at mm-hmm. the beginning basically of lord of the rings is very appealing to me i mean i just think that would be such such a really cool way to do it but i just i just don't think they are doing it no it seems very, <laughs> it's very seems very unlikely yeah, yeah um okay so uh let's i think that there's there's really not a whole lot else to really mine on this question i mean it's interesting to imagine but there's not a lot of controversy here um, I would like well, to, I, I would I like to point out that 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 uh, episode nine was the was one of the ones in the in the comments where um, uh, uh, the the debate about um, how to pronounce Thrain raged <laughs> like that question just refused to go away and then also the what form will the necromancer right. slash Sauron right. appear on screen seemed to be like right. people were talking about that on this uh, on, in this thread in yeah. the comment section as opposed to talking about the actual question it was hilarious yeah 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 and i you know i kind of made a note of that but i didn't pull anything in from that conversation no no it's all right it's fine we're gonna leave that till we actually get to those questions yeah which hopefully we're gonna we will. be doing that later yeah but i'll throw a little controversy in yeah i would like to hear let's hear your prediction well you know i do agree that there's definitely going to be a frame narrative i mean how could i not <laughs> Yeah. All the evidence we have. Plus, I would have anyway, even if I didn't have the evidence. But the question, the question is, what will be the opening moment of the Hobbit? Mm-hmm. And based on that question, I think it's A. I don't think it. I don't think the opening moment of the movie is going to immediately be Bilbo and Frodo. I think there's going to be some, if you want to call a setup for the frame or a context for the frame or a, you know, something else before we mm-hmm. get to the frame of, of Frodo and Bilbo. So I mean, Frodo and Bilbo may be the second scene, but I think there's going to be, and I picked A because I don't think B and C really makes sense to me. But so I picked A. I'm the only one that's picked A. So you're you, and and what specifically do you think they'll begin with? I'm thinking it would be a voiceover of either a dwarf or B- maybe Bilbo doing the voiceover. And in fact, it could be Bilbo doing right but in the hole what, in the ground. Their lip hobbit. What set of events are they voicing um, over? I and I actually, you know, I had originally said maybe a dwarf or Bilbo, but I'm also thinking it could be Gandalf. Right. Um, I'm thinking that it could be Gandalf saying, I mean, kind of like he did in the dare I say the Comic Con, you know film that they showed where he where it's that started out with bilbo saying i mean gandalf saying something like us lying far to the east blah 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 something like that i mean i don't know if that's the opening of the movie but it could be something like that where gandalf starts out saying uh long ago you know the or the the enmity 
between the dwarves and the goblets is of long standing or you know mm-hmm. something really cool like that and you know maybe and maybe there would be some kind of a scene i don't know so you, but i'm just thinking, thinking i'm just it'll thinking it'll be battle of azanolbazar then well, you know, or it could be smog. It could be, you know, it could be the, you know, it could be, we don't see the dragon, but we see fire hitting people mm-hmm. as they're running, screaming from the city or something, you know, because I know we've talked about that before. Um, yeah, I mean, something like that to where our our curiosity is kind of wetted that we know there's a larger story coming. And then we kind of segue, much like they did, I guess, in Fellowship of the Ring, you know, segued over to the, to the, to the, to the Shire. I don't think the opening is going to be as long as the Fellowship of the Ring was, you know, with the whole battle mm-hmm. and the Silder and that kind of stuff. But I just think there's going to be something before we get to the frame. That's an interesting idea. I, I'm, I'm really going back and forth about sort of like, I think that. Okay, let me see if I can articulate this properly. I sort of go back and forth about kind of how there there's there's sort of three major threats in this story. Um, uh, there's two in the book Hobbit. There is Smog the Dragon, right. and there's the Goblin Army, and the Goblin Army is kind of unexpected. Um, I think for the film, what they're going to do is uh, they they have Smog the Dragon again. Um, they have added the necromancer, so right. they need to find some interesting way to talk, to introduce him and That's right. tie him into the story. And then the third thing is the is the goblin army again, and um, and it's pretty you know when you go when you go and you read the appendices of Lord of the Rings, it's obvious that it's that there's actually it's not just you know it's not just some trivial story about like oh the goblins are coming to take our treasure but that actually there really is this long drawn out long standing yeah between yeah. the dwarves and the goblins and not just the dwarves and the goblins but specifically with uh one particular dwarf thorin and his and his whole family you right know, there's a really like the there's a real back and forth there and um and so i've been wondering for a while like two things one um i feel like they need to properly motivate both the dragon story and the the goblin story. So that's why I'm convinced we're going to get somewhere, get a flashback to the battle of Azanalbazar somewhere, get a flashback to smog, uh, driving them out of lonely mountain. Right. Right. Um, and I've long wondered which is going to be where, and I, for longest time believed that we would probably start this film off. I, I don't think the opening moment will be battle of Azanalbazar, but I think we'll get a flashback to it fairly early on. Right. And that the second, because we're not going to see the Lonely Mountain or the Dragon at all in this film. Right, right. Um, and that the second film would be more focused on the Dragon. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Although I think that too, actually. So, but, you know, I, I, like coming back around when you, when you like this, even though we don't get to the mountain, the early parts of this film are all about like, where are they going? Are they going to Moria to retake it? No. Are they right, going no. to fight and kill goblins? No. They're going to the Lonely Mountain to get the Dragon. And maybe we need some real good justification other than Thorin say so uh, for it. Maybe a flashback to the smog here would be good. Maybe Battle of Azanalbazar will be um, will be in the second film. I don't know. The other the other thing that stops me from thinking that the the opening moment would be the Shire, and this is simply just me being practical again. Uh huh. Listen, listeners, you're going to get so bored with me being practical. Um, is that I think Jackson has to assume that not everybody who comes to this movie will have seen The Lord of the Rings. So so to just shift immediately to the Shire with Bilbo and Frodo, I think would leave some of the audience members a little bit behind. You know what I mean? It's like they mm-hmm. 
there needs to be a bigger context kind of created, I think, to take into account the fact that there probably will be a minority of people in the theater who won't have seen Lord of the Rings. So that's another reason why I was thinking you probably would start with something a little bit broader. And I think you're right. I mean, I think it would be either Smaug or it's either going to be the dragon, you know, did this horrible thing and drove all these people out or there was this long war you know, it, it may set up Thorin's thing, you know, where, like I said, it could be Thorin, you know, and getting his oaken shield. I mean, it, uh, something like that. But anyway, I just think there's going to be something. I, I guess Thorin with his oaken shield, I guess that would really be more like uh, B, maybe, with no, with, well, except there might be a voiceover. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I, I think that's going to be, I think there's going to be a voiceover because I think there has to be some kind of explanation of whatever, whatever the heck we're seeing on the screen. Right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good question. But I stand alone. Story yes, you of do. my life. Story I, of my life. I'm still I'm convinced I'm convinced that uh because of the frame, uh every all of the flashbacks to major historical events will take place uh within the framed Hobbit story and be introduced oh. by some character. So like Battle of Azdan Albazar will be introduced by Thorin. He'll say, I remember that battle and then we'll flash back to it. And maybe the events of Smog attacking will be introduced by uh, Thorin again, saying, "Yeah, I remember when the dragon drove us out." Um, all of that kind of stuff. I, I think, I think, um, I think that it'll all be introduced, embedded within the frame. That we're not going to have any of the weird one-off flashbacks starting the film the way that uh, Fellowship of the Ring did. I think that just makes the frame too awkward. Um, it, it makes it really confusing about the sort of t- the the time frame and when things are happening and stuff. Well, I figure I have very little risk here because if I'm right, then I'd look awesome, right? Yes. I'm like bodacious awesome. If I'm wrong, then all I have to do is just go, oops. Yeah. Well, what if we're all wrong? <laughs> yeah, that's true. We could all be wrong. That's true. Maybe B, or, B or C, which all of us have said, no way. Yeah, that's true. So we could all be wrong. So no, I applaud you. Going, I, I've, I've. There's been a couple times when I've made decisions. I know to specifically know. be different from Corey because I didn't, because uh, I wanted to make sure because I thought there was enough uncertainty to justify the risk. So I applaud you. Good job. It has to be done sometimes. It just has to be done sometimes. Yep. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Um, but I think that's probably it on, on episode nine. I mean, I, I, it's, you know, now it just remains to be seen. And I think also, regardless of what Jackson releases between mm-hmm. now and the time the movie starts, I think whatever, however the movie opens is going to be a surprise. I don't think he's going to give us any kind of hint. You know, he may imply that he is by how he does some of the movie trailers and whatnot. But I'll bet you it's going to be different than whatever he shows us between now and the and opening. Yep. I think that's entirely fair. Um, I think that's I think that's right. I I I I don't think he'll want to spoil that at all. Um, no, I I think you're so, right. So in fact, maybe maybe what we should be doing is trying to guess how the film will be will start based on what he hasn't shown us so far. Like, <laughs> you know, we've gotten no no scenes whatsoever. I, I, yeah, actually, that cuts both ways because on the one hand. There's that there's that line in the the production video from a while ago where he you know specifically uh, covers up some stuff that he's not allowed to show us because it's in film too. Right. So people have generally assumed that anything we people have assumed that anything we've seen is certainly in the first film and more than likely things that we think 
uh, could be in the second film and haven't been shown to us, probably maybe are in the second film. So maybe right. all of these flashbacks, Smog, Battle of Azanobles, or all this stuff is being put off until the second film. Second film, oh my um, god. But I don't think that's true. I no, think I that he's so. just think... choosing to, to hide the choice, the choice morsels. Yeah, I think, I think he is. I think we're going to see Necromancer in the first film, but there is no way they're going to show us that on the uh, in the trailer. Right, or Nazgul. A... I don't think they'll show, he'll show the Nazgul. If the Nazgul are in the first film, I don't think we're going to see him in any trailers. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just hoping we'll never see the Nazgul. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, you're right. I mean, this is, these guys, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a, a sophisticated marketing machine here we're talking, yes. you know. So they're going to, like, give us little breadcrumbs. Yep. But they're still going to leave a whole bunch not, you know, not unveiled because even those of us that are following along so closely need to come away surprised about something. And I'm, I have every confidence he'll do that a lot. Yep, I agree. I agree. So, now, what should be our yes-no question for this? Do you I, wanna, vote, do I the, vote the Hobbit, the Hobbit okay. line. Okay. I, so I the like yes-no question is, is the movie – do we think the movie is going to start with – No, not even start. Just, oh, okay. I want to. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna make it more because your answer there is obviously no, and I want to give you oh, a right. chance to to okay. answer yes, one way or another, <laughs> uh, if you want to. Uh, I don't want to. So is the opening line of the book going to yes be in the Will movie? we hear the opening line of the book in a in a it possibly altered a little bit, but but in general, exactly the way you know, fairly close to the way it is. Will we hear somewhere in the film? In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. And bonus points if we get to hear anything beyond that. Probably unlikely, but will we hear somewhere a line that is very, very that is identical to or very similar to "In a hole uh, in the ground, there lived a hobbit." So, okay. Um, my answer is yes. Yeah, and I have to say yes too because I just want it to be so. <laughs> yeah, that's how I, just, I feel too. I just want it to be so. So, we we have to ask Corey these questions too, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, uh we're uh I'm writing them down and and remembering oh, I, to run them I, we'll run these by him tomorrow. Yeah, I just wrote I just wrote it down in our notes here. So. Good. Okay, Good. cool. Um, All right. Well, shall we move on to episode 10? Yes, uh, let's move on to episode 10. So, episode 10, to remind you and the listeners, um, was the episode where we got into our little, we did a little mini-series where we were talking about character arcs, and specifically Bilbo and Gollum's character arcs. And so, the first the first episode was Bilbo's character arc, and specifically, what is his sort of early portrayal going to be like when he's when he's at home in the Shire? What's he going to be like? The second one, which you'll hear when we get to episode 11... Uh, so the next digest probably uh, was about Gollum and how will he be portrayed on screen. And we learned a lot of really interesting things about that from Comic-Con. And then episode uh, 12 was how will the riddle game be be administered? Sort of the culmination in the Bilbo Gollum um, uh, story arc. So um, uh, back to the Bilbo one, which we're discussing now. The, the, our real, the thing we're really interested in was the Baggins-Took dichotomy, because that's a huge part, of, especially, and you know this if you've listened to Corey's lectures, that's a huge part of, of um, the Hobbit's whole story, like this tug of war between the Baggins side, you know, the stay-at-home kind of couch potato, don't get out of your comfort zone Hobbit, and right. then the Took, the guy that wants to run off and have adventures, and, and that, that, 
you know, that the ultimate resolution of the story is not the uh, the took side winning out, but rather, uh, you know, it, it, the fact that the two sides are resolved and kind of, you know, unified in a, in a sense, that he's right. both Baggins and Took. And so um, in the books, he is thoroughly Baggins. He is, he is, he's well-respected. You know, the Bagginses are considered sort of the most, the most, uh, the quintessential hobbits. Nobody, they would never run off and have adventures. Nobody would think badly of them. Um, Bilbo is only... There are only questions, maybe, in his neighbors' minds about him, insofar as he has this Tookish side, and there's, you know, there's been some Tooks in his family that have run off and have crazy adventures, but Bilbo did not. I think that, I think that in the sort of expanded Tolkien Middle Earth world around the Hobbit, like in the Lord of the Rings and the Appendix in particular, that 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 he is he starts to gradually change this a little bit and starts to make him more of a you know that he actually is doing some outlandish things he is travel you know running around the shire a bit more he does enjoy stories he likes talking to you know he talks to elves and other outlandish folk but in the book the actual published hobbit um he's thoroughly baggins and cory cory um i i disagreed with him on this a little bit but cory strongly felt that uh, that that the filmmakers are going to be tempted to change that and give him some took it some more overt tookishness that that you know rather than him him being portrayed on screen as like a Baggins through and through he's going to be portrayed as you know well that Bilbo Baggins he's a pretty good guy but he's got some strange tendencies you know he's got some question marks around him so uh, that is what this question revolves around uh, will they change the way Bilbo at the beginning of the film, the beginning of the story is portrayed. Uh, uh, and in particular, we also, to, to, to flesh this out a bit, we asked the question, how will his fellow hobbits perceive him? So not just will he have a sort of a, an internal strife, but will that be spilling out to the point that other characters on screen notice it? And uh, your four options are, A, mainstream Baggins through and through, similar to his portrayal in the novel's first chapter. B, a bit aloof keeps to himself. There are hints that his quiet life doesn't suit him, but he's still respected by others. C. An incipient, incipiently adventurous <laughs> took, viewed much the same way as he later is in The Lord of the Rings. D. Unclear. The filmmakers will not dedicate much screen time to exploring these questions, but we'll jump right into the story. So, um, A is the Mark Fisher compatible with the book answer. Um, although I don't think <laughs> Mark didn't I don't actually... think he did this time, did he? No. In fact, Mark has not picked... A since uh, back at riddle number five, num- number six. So in fairness to him, while although we will keep referring to them as the Mark Fisher answers, he hasn't actually picked it. Ar- um, I think Arwen may be taking over from him, or at least almost neck and neck. Yes, she is. She's been much more, she's picked way more A's since number six than he has. So A is the Mark Fisher answer. It'll be the way it is in the book. Um, <laughs> B is sort of a compromise like, they're going to try and they're going to add some oddities to him, particularly have him be sort of aloof and off, you know, hanging out by himself and disquiet. But but in general, he will still get good, positive reactions from his fellow hobbits when he goes into the market. They'll all like him and think he's respectable. C is that basically they're going to merge the later Bilbo with the hobbit Bilbo and they're going to make him a weirdo. Uh, really the most uh, efficient way to say it that he basically will be perceived much the way he is in the later Lord of the Rings so the, you know that that um, the hobbits around him will if they're portrayed on screen they will uh, like him 
and they'll say he's very generous and he's a you know throws right. parties but uh you know he's got a lot of really strange ticks running off he's got st- queer friends and he's always going off on strange adventures and stuff uh and then d which is the one i chose is um that there's there's going to be so little screen time dedicated to this that we're not going to have a good notion uh that it will right. be it will be un- undeterminable like you know it, it, it people can speculate but that based on what we see in 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 this on screen we won't you know they, essentially we won't get to see very many scenes of him interacting with other hobbits well you know the the very first thing that's going to happen is gandalf's going to show up and maybe there'll be some resistance from him but basically we're just not going to see enough stuff on screen to really get a get a um uh to get a good feel for whether he's a Baggins or a Took at this point. I think, the, you know, I'm not saying that the Baggins-Took thing won't play a role in the movie at all. I think it will. I just don't think that... I don't think this question will be answerable based on what we see on screen in the theaters in the first right. 20 minutes of the film. Right. It's not gonna, there's not going to be a lot of attention on developing it yes. in the movie. Well, yeah. no, no. I, 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 I'm, I think there will be attention developing it. I think that the Baggins-Took thing, I think at some point they will explicitly address it. They'll have him say this. Oh, okay. I mean, we've already seen him say, I'm a Baggins, a Bag-N. I right. just think that within, within 10 minutes of the beginning of the film, the dwarves will, have, will already have begun the party right. with the dwarves. And that from there, we're going to start on, straight into the adventure. And we're never really going to get a good feel for how the other hobbits thought of Bilbo. Um, Got it. Uh, uh, whereas what Corey thinks is that we will get sufficient screen time of him interacting with other hobbits, and the other hobbits will treat him as a stranger or as a weirdo. So um, it, it's it's sort of a it's a nuanced question. It was designed to be that way, but basically it is you know the the question really comes down to based on the scenes that we get to see of the Shire and Bilbo interacting in the Shire, interacting with other hobbits, will you be able to answer the question, he's a Took, he's a Baggins, he's both? And my answer is, there won't be enough time dedicated on screen. Right. So, um, Mark Fisher, surprisingly, did not pick the A answer. Um, uh, he probably picked what was the more, the more, the most practical answer. He chose B, sort of a both. He says, I think this really hangs on how the film chooses to explain why Gandalf chooses Bilbo out of all the other possibilities. The book doesn't really address this in any detail. It's just the kind of thing that wizards do. But I think the audience will expect the movie has to at least make a stab at some kind of explanation. My guess is that we'll see some development of the foresight of Gandalf mentioned in the quest of Erebor, and since it explains Gandalf's commitment in this particular Hobbit and also sets up the conflict between Gandalf and Thorin we glimpse in the trailer. It also gives us a potential for some comic irony. Imagine a scene where Gandalf gravely pronounces to Thorin that Bilbo is his only hope of success, then a cut to an oblivious Bilbo wandering around a market. That's pretty good. You know, it, yeah. he's actually onto something because don't we, uh, in the descriptions of the footage from Comic Con that we got from OneRing.net, didn't we? Isn't there a sort of Gandalf moment where the dwarves are all complaining about Bilbo, and then Bilbo, and then Gandalf stands up and does his stern Gandalf voice and c- tells them all that uh, that they will take Bilbo and they won't succeed without him. And I then, think so. And yeah. then Bilbo subsequently faints. Oh, it's, Bilbo faints when he reads his contract when yes. he gets to the incineration part. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, Mark Fisher might be onto something here. It's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's a, that I think that's the that is the um, that that reasoning is the only reasoning I've heard about this question that gives me some doubt about my answer. Cor- Corey Corey's sort of 
Corey's reasoning about this was just that they won't be able to resist making him tookish. You know, that, that, that that's just sort of a more interesting character to portray on screen and that the audience will expect some continuity between Martin Freeman and, and the Ian Holm Bilbo that we saw and that if he's too normal, people will be confused and stuff. And I'm not persuaded by that. Um, but I think Mark has a good point, which is that, you know, that the story really does there there does demand an explanation. Why in the heck does Gandalf choose Bilbo? And maybe some some sort of glimpses of Bilbo, you know, sort of displaying the characteristics that would cause Gandalf to choose him, might be in order. So, I think Mark Mark makes a very persuasive argument, uh, in my opinion, about this. Well, he actually goes on to cover one thing that I had teed up with you. Um, he talks about that scene with Glowin in covered with spider webs with the locket. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he thinks there's some hints in the trailer about the Baggins took conflict. And remember, I sent you that still from the trailer where Glowin is fighting in the spider thingy, and in the corner of that frame, there's like this locket. There's like this picture. Yeah. It's like a profile of somebody and i you know mark saying that it's uh he thinks it's a locket of uh you know like it would be bungo bungo on one side belladon on the other though that's like an open why why bilbo would have an open locket of his parents at the spider battle i have no idea yes. but mark kind of brought that in yeah. as kind of a way of showing the baggins took thing yeah. I, and and so and actually let me read the rest of his thing. I also think there will be some hint. There are, are some hints in the trailer that the Baggins took conflict is something we're going to see translated into the movie. One thing caught my eye that might be bearing on this: in the few frames we see glowing covered in spiderwebs, there's an open locket in the foreground containing a picture of what appears to be a Hobbit. Yada yada yada. Belladonna Bungo, <laughs> as you just explained. Right. That all seems to point to Bilbo making Bilbo as ma- as mainstream as possible in the beginning of the film to build up contrast between his actual character and the dwarves' expectations. What he finally becomes. On the other hand, there has to be something about him that would impel him to take part in the adventure at all, and I can't see a pure prosy Baggins working in that context. So I'll go for the compromise option of B. Your basic down-to-earth satisfied Shire Hobbit, but with just enough different about him to make him stand out from the crowd and convince him to go off into the blue in the first place. So... He makes I think a that's good. He makes a good argument. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fine. And I and and as I said, I completely agree that uh, that they will develop the the Baggins took conflict, um, and re- and they will delve into that. Um, and and I'm even willing to bet that they filmed some scenes of this to include in the extended edition, but that they're going to get cut when it comes time to screen time. That they're going to decide, you know what? Uh, that some editor is going to say. Hey, we've spent enough time on uh, we've spent enough time on this Took Baggins thing. This extra five minutes at the beginning, like, is really unnecessary of him wandering around right. the market. So I just think I just think it's going to get cut out. So yeah. Now you also have uh, Last Alliance also weighed in, didn't they? Yes. Uh, they said, judging from Martin Freeman's performance in the trailer, which granted is not much to go on. During the scene where he's asking if he will ever come back, it seems Bilbo is experiencing serious reservations and will become an adventurer only reluctantly. Plus, Bilbo's transformation is a crucial part of The Hobbit, which Peter Jackson could not miss if he is any sort of Tolkien fan at all. <laughs> Those are dangerous pronouncements <laughs> to make. I, I've generally I've generally taken the attitude of I'm I I, I, I I'm gonna try to avoid this time around with The Hobbit, as opposed to my behavior with The Lord of the Rings, I'm going to try to avoid 
making well if Peter Jackson really understands the book or if he really likes Tolkien or if he's a real fan then he'll do X Y and Z because I felt that way about Lord of the Rings and he frequently let me down so yes right I've decided to stop judging other people's fan fanness yeah well I mean you know I I I got an I raised an eyebrow of skepticism when Peter Jackson introduced Philippa Boyens as the most avid Tolkien geek you yes. know and I. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I, I'm, I've decided I'm just not going to pass judgment on yeah, other, people's, yeah. other people's worthiness of fans because uh, that strikes me as a really dangerous thing to get into. Um, uh, because, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be in the business of saying, well, if Peter Jackson doesn't do this, he's Obviously not a, not a fan. And they're, and, they're not, and they're not saying that, of course. They're no. just, you know, they're, they're – they're just making an argument, and I agree. I'm sure he will address it. I'm just not convinced they need to lay too much groundwork at the beginning. I think they can just uh, say it. Um, right. But uh, I think I, that's why I I am inclined. If if you were to tell me that if somebody if somebody who worked on the set were to come and tell me, David, I can tell you for a fact, there's at least five minutes of footage at the beginning of the film that addresses this very question. So option D is out. If I had to pick one of the other three, I would pick B. I would go with Mark. Yeah. I, right, I agree right. with I agree with both The Last Alliance that they need to they need to show Bilbo being a baggins. And I also agree that some seed needs to be planted of his of his weirdness that he right. would actually go on this thing. That he would actually go. So yeah. if I had to pick a from amongst A, B and C, I would pick B. I right, just I right. think I think all the B stuff was going to get cut out. You know, it's interesting, actually, in the comments, uh, there were actually quite a number of folks that picked A, which Ooh. I was a little surprised about. Yeah, it's wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what they have to say and see if any of them can change your mind on that. We'll see. Um, let's see. Sandra Hall says, uh, looking at the options, I'm going for A. The few glimpses that we have of Bilbo in the trailer shows him being proud of being a Baggins. You never, a lot of people are really... Um, focusing on that part of the, that scene in the trailer, uh, yeah, and the, I'm not sure if that has the "I'm a Baggins, a Bag End" yeah, as a thing of his hand. Yeah, I just I mean, I'm just wondering. Dude, it's if like it's... eight words, people. <laughs> right, exactly. Anyway, so she shows him uh, being proud of being a Baggins, and his reaction to the dwarves is as in the book. From a humor point of view, having Bilbo carried out of his state existence into an adventure is much funnier than someone even if secretly wanting to go and embracing the dangers. His gradual embracing of the adventure and becoming the de facto leader by the end is a huge part of the character arc of the book and I hope the film. Bilbo came from a very respectable Hobbit family. He only got his more dubious reputation after he returned to the end of at the end of the quest, spouting tales and poetry, having strange wizard and dwarven visitors, but he was still rich enough to be like the Tooks, accepted in society, in society, even if considered eccentric. She makes a point. I mean, you know, I think we do get that in the book, you know, that there is, even though he's got this Took side to him, it's not really that developed in The Hobbit. We definitely see it in The Fellowship of the Ring as a result. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so she's going with A. Now, well, we, Josh. We see it Took side of him throughout the 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 hobbit book um we don't oh, see right, it right. In, we don't we never get to see it in the shire except in maybe shire, right at the end I mean. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, it's not until he comes back i mean in the very very beginning he's seems to be mostly baggins in the in the book i mean 
and we're not really seeing a lot of, except the one place that I remember seeing the took start to peep out is when the dwarves are singing and he kind of has a vision, you know, he looks in the fire and he kind of has this vision that the dwarf song is creating in his mind. Mm-hmm. And he suddenly has this longing to go see those things. I mean, to me, when I read the book, that was like the first time that you even get a sense that he's got this sort of latent tookishness in him. Um, That was the way I read it. But anyway. Yep. Yep. Um, Yep. Yep. Josh Schweigert also is voting for A, and he's actually basing it on a dialogue between Gandalf and Frodo that takes place in the Fellowship of the Ring. And I'll just read that here. He says, Frodo says, before you came along, we Bagginses were very well thought of. And Gandalf says, indeed, Frodo, never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. Gandalf says, if you're referring to the incident with the dragon, I was barely involved. All I did was give your uncle a little nudge out the door. And Frodo says, whatever you did, you've been officially labeled a disturber of the peace. Josh says, I'll go even further in my prediction and say that we will see a line in The Hobbit – a line in, in The Hobbit that uses some of Frodo's exact words to create a parallel between the two movies. I think even casual fans of the movies will pick up on the parallel at some point and realize that The Hobbit is the story of how Bilbo became, became, came to be seen as a troublemaker. So Josh is going with A also. You guys are so boring. Jason's yep. going with A. <laughs> He says, I'm going with option A, but I'm doubting there will be any kind of reference to a suppressed tookishness. He'll start as a stay-at-home baggins of bag end being representative of a typical hobbit who is then lured into an adventure by Gandalf. His character development will be from grocer to barrel writer. From grocer to barrel writer will be that of an ex- inex- an any inexperienced individual snatched from their comfortable surroundings and forced into an unexpectedly dangerous environment. In other words, nothing will indicate that Bilbo's development would be different uh, would be different to any other Hobbit who was chosen instead. Thinking back on Bil- old Bilbo's portrayal in Fellowship of the Ring, I don't recall any indications that Bilbo was considered strange by his neighbors. He seemed perfectly normal in the context of the party, and nothing about the behavior of other Hobbits gave a sense that Bilbo was different to your average Hobbit. So as with Fellowship of the Ring, I'm thinking that the subtlety of Bilbo's character will, be, will simply be left out or, or with maybe a nod to it that would only make sense to those of us who are familiar with the books. Now, this brings up my suggestion that we maybe consider as a yes or no question, which is, will we even see Bilbo interacting with neighbors? I mean, I know Corey thinks that we'll see that, but like you said, you know, with time being of the essence, I mean, we may not even see him really interacting with his, I mean, the thing of him at the market, if it even stays in the movie, may just simply be uh, you know, while somebody else is doing a voiceover. So we may not see his neighbor's reaction to him. That is why uh, that's that's <laughs> that's why I that's why I chose D because I just think it's all going to be cut out and so I I just think you know I mean I think people can try and read things into partic- to his, the way the dwarves react to him the way he responds and stuff I, I just but I think uh, most of the neighbor stuff is going to be just too fleeting too superficial uh, to for us to really get a deep deep notion of how is he perceived by his um, right uh his neighbors his neighbors yeah is he really is he really a a baggins through and through or is he is he have some tookishness coming out i i just think there's not gonna be enough screen time it's not not enough on-screen evidence you know Um, right and i I think i think that his his interactions with gandalf and his interactions with the dwarves in my opinion is insufficient um uh, I, I, I personally think if we don't get very many scenes of him interacting with neighbors, 
um, then then I'm then I'm going to be uh, strongly in favor of ruling that that the correct answer was D. Even if people look and say, you know, oh well, look, you know, he faints after he reads the contract. That's a Baggins, or oh yeah, he was, yeah, he's dreaming of this because. He no. does, you know, because that stuff's all consistent with the book where he's th- sure. where he's portrayed as thoroughly sure. Baggins, you know, like he gets right. carried away. He wants to be considered fierce. He right. he gets carried away by the dwarf song and stuff. So uh, in order for the answer to actually be B or C, um, uh, we really need to have we need to have some like hobbits looking at him sidelong as he's walking through the market or or some like office you know, the office style interviews with his neighbors saying, I don't know what's up with that Baggins guy. (laughs) You know, he's really, really besmirching that, that good name that he's inherited from his mom or, or we need to see, um, you know, just, or or we need to see him having um, uh, drinks with dwarves or, or elves before Gandalf and the dwarves show up. Um, And in, in order for it to be a, we need to see him wandering around the market and people running up and saying, you know, hello, Mr. Baggins. It's great to see you, you know, and I thank you for having me over for tea yesterday afternoon. Like we need actual evidence, very strong evidence that he is a, uh, a, a you know, a fully participating member of the completely normal Hobbit community. So if but we now just, my, my we, brain is blank here. Does he actually in the Hobbit before this comes, this adventure comes along, does he actually I don't. He doesn't interact with elves. Aren't the first time he ever sees elves the Tralalalali elves in Rivendell? That is correct, I believe, as he's portrayed in the Hobbit. Right, as he's portrayed in the book. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. He's he's sort he's he's very similar to he's very similar to the on-screen Sam, who you know, right. you recall, has right. that moment where he stops and says, "Oh, I've never been further from home than this spot right here." That's like right. That, it's it's very much like that. It, I believe. I'm sure there's going to be somebody that's going to post a comment on this episode that's going to say I'm wrong. So you know, <laughs> let me have it, people. Well, you know, as actually uh, the next the next comment, uh, Brent Springs, El Swifto, as actually disagreeing that option A is the book option. He thinks it's not the Mark Fisher option. He thinks option B is the book answer in its truth form. He says your argument for A is, was simply that if you were to ask a neighbor of Bilbo's what he thinks of Bilbo, the neighbor would say he was an upstanding citizen. Mm-hmm. But as you also said yourself, you never get an interaction between Bilbo and any of his neighbors or an indication of what their view of him might be. Yes. So the, the fact that we don't get these interactions to me indicates more that Tolkien might not have put that in there because he wanted us to assume or see that Bilbo doesn't have much interaction with other hobbits and mostly keeps to himself. Also, we don't get an indication that they disapprove of him in any way. So I have to go with option B for being true to the book. So that's Brent's, you know, Brent is saying he thinks option B is more like what's represented in the book. You know what? All right. Fair enough, Brent. I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think what Corey would argue here is if, is if you read through the text of The Hobbit, what you get is and, – and this is where I'm going to – this is where I'm going to acknowledge Brent's point. What you get as you read through – is a lot of sort of internal monologue type stuff. You know, it's it's basically him, Bilbo, the narrator, Bilbo, talking about his life there. And what he describes is a very normal life. Uh, and he describes being completely, completely normal, um, uh, completely reasonable, not at all weird, not doing anything strange. He talks about sort of what are his normal hobbits or habits. Like he talks about when people usually come for tea, this is how things happen. And he wouldn't say that if he wasn't having people over for tea and stuff. However, 
you could make the the unreliable narrator argument here and say, well, this is just how Bilbo perceives himself, and yeah, maybe his neighbor, true. maybe Bilbo thinks he's normal and thinks everybody else thinks he's normal, but maybe everybody else actually thinks he's a weirdo because we don't actually see That's his true. interactions. Well, and you do get the you know, you do get his his um, huffiness, you know, at being thought of as a grocer, and you do get his sort of ego getting pricked, you know, at that these guys would think he couldn't be a burglar. You know what I mean? It's like you're right. There is sort of some argument there for the unreliable yeah. narrator. narrator yeah, there's some the way Bella reacts. I think it's fair. I think it's fair to argue that there isn't absolute uh, unless we're going to accept that Bilbo has a 100 percent accurate perception of reality. Um, I think it's there's some there's at least some some uncertainty about you know whether we should really believe him when he says he was completely respectable and totally normal, you know maybe he thought he was but maybe other people thought he was weirdos but I, I'd be interested to to run that by Corey again just to see kind of you yeah, know, do, you, yeah. do you think there's any any credence to this idea that that you know maybe maybe it's ambiguous maybe he seems like he's normal he thinks he's normal but he he actually you know maybe his tookishness came out but his more behavior than he, is yeah, more than he thinks yeah more than he now, thought it did now i actually have based on um something else that brent said toward the end of his note and i just lost my my place here um um is the uh, uh, he also talks about the um, uh, dwarf song and you know how Bilbo kind of hallucinates? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think I could say. Um, you know, and he thinks that would be a way to show in the movie. You could show that you know, look Bilbo looking into the fire, and then he you know sees these visions, and then he gets this you know wants to go kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but Mike, I have a yes or no question that I could tee up from that, which is, do we think there will be that scene where he hallucinates during? And the dwarf song. What oh, that's a good question. I like that one a lot. Yeah, I think we should I, I use think, that. I think that's our yes/no question because yeah. I mean, I would, I kind, I would love to see that scene. That's one of that's kind of one of my favorite scenes in the beginning of the book yep. is when he sort of starts to awaken to you know he he the, the song kind of has this effect on him and he's like ooh whoa you know kind of thing. So I I'm hoping that it is there. So let's have that be our yes/no question. I think that's a good one. This episode. Um, okay. So I'm scanning through the I'm scanning through the the other user comments that we've po- that were that are in here that you've included. Uh, and I do do want to say that there's at least two people who've said they were new. As I know I want to give them a shout out. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, Yana. Um, and Jacob, so yeah. welcome. I mean, I know you've actually been around for like two months now at this point, but welcome. <laughs> um, so it looks like most of the feedback falls into the general, into what we've been saying. Yana agrees right. with me, not enough screen time. Uh, Jacob agrees with the the uh, Last Alliance people. It'll be A, because right. he says, I'm a Baggins, a bag end. Um, I think Luthien Junes is an interesting one. So if they did go, it's sort of a counter, it's a hypothetical. If Corey's right and they go with C and they make him Tookish, does that rule out Bilbo's struck by lightning moment? Oh, right. Now, see, I don't think we're going to see a struck by lightning. I think uh, that I fainting think, is going to be it. Yeah, I think that's replacing yeah. struck by lightning. I think yeah. struck by lightning is not going to work for the modern audience. Yeah. So Dwayne, Dwayne gets at what I was hinting at, that, but he actually pulled out his copy of uh of unfinished tales but this is what i was remembering Dwayne, 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 I think is is probably probably has the most important piece of information for this conversation, especially after in light of Comic Con, where Peter Jackson made it clear that he was really enamored of the uh, of the um, extra material. Although, here's a question that we should ask somebody. 
they own the rights to the Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings, and all of the extra material, including the appendices. Does that include unfinished tales? I bet the answer heard, is no. I've heard Corey actually uh, theorize on that one. I think if I remember his answer, and we need to, of course, double check, but I think he said – I remember him saying that there's enough material in the appendices that tracks with the quest for er- Erebor. Mm-hmm. That Jackson could use Quest for Airborne and still be within his, you know, still claim it's within the appendices. That's true. Or, he, or he could easily just, he could easily just borrow borrow a an element, you know, from the from the uh, from the unfinished tales version of the Quest of Erebor and then just say, oh, we made it up. It's not we, based. We on made it. it up. Yeah, it made yeah. sense to us. <laughs> he could borrow from it. He could borrow from it very loosely. So. Um, I need. I'd have to go back and look at the the appendix version of the Quest of Erebor versus the Unfinished Tales, but I think Dwayne is probably referencing Quest for Erebor because I think his comments don't. He actually... does say he says he's rereading Quest for Erebor. And by the way, listeners who don't know what the Quest for Erebor is, you may be going, "What what the heck are they talking about?" Oh, yeah. In in one of the uh, posthumously published books called Unfinished Tales that Christopher Tolkien, uh, J.R. Tolkien's son, published, he actually includes this piece called The Quest for Erebor, which is mm-hmm. something Tolkien wrote that actually does the – actually, I think I've said that six times now um, – is the pre-Gandalf showing up at Bag End story. Yes. Right? And, right? and this, this story is in the appendix of Lord of the Rings. There right. is a version of the Quest of Erebor, but there's um, there's some interesting extra details in the Unfinished Tales one, and there's also multiple versions of parts of it as well, which you get to see, which is which is what's great about all these um, uh, Unfinished Tales and the histories of Middle Earth and all that. You get to right. see the evolution of some of these stories. Oh, some so, great stuff, yeah. Um, so, uh, and Unfinished Tales has some incredible stuff like. Um, uh, if in terms of um, Lord of the Rings era stuff, is has... it the Hunt for the Ring? The Hunt for the Ring is in Unfinished Tales, isn't it? The Hunt for the Ring, where the they Nazgul? talk about yeah, with the Nazgul. Yeah, and how that, they... that's like yeah. an incredible story. It's like amazing. Yeah. You're, it's really disappointing. It's not in there where they basically describe in detail what were the Nazgul up to. While uh, it's yeah. pretty interesting, they're like stopping by Isengard, talking to Saruman, trying to figure out where the Shire is. <laughs> um, in, the best stuff in Unfinished Tales. Uh, from my standpoint, though, is uh, some of the the Silmarillion stuff. Like, um, yeah, there's an expanded version of um, of uh, Tuor's journey um, from. Oh gosh, I can never remember the name of the region where he grew up. Um, down to the shores where he meets Ulmo. Like it's it's right. really fascinating, and it really gives you a, a very interesting, different, rich picture of the um, of kind of the the functioning in the Valar and sort of, you know, the, right. the, the, um, uh, what, I, boy, I'm really like the metaphysics around the world. Like it's basically some of the things that almost says hint at the possibility right. that the Valar aren't, aren't all in on the same page. And that, that in fact, he perceives sort of different courses in the music of the world that are setting him at odds with the other Valar and that he's, you know, that he's actually on this path where he's supposed to defy them and help, the people in Middle Earth and stuff. So, highly recommend people go get a copy of Unfinished Tales. And I think there's a there's a Galadriel. Isn't that the one that has Galadriel and Celeborn in it too? Yeah, it's a yep. really it's interesting story, a story about Galadriel and Celeborn. Yeah. Um, I think that there's there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff in there. So I highly now recommend you, people get that. So you know, I actually wrote a note to um, Corey during one of the in, in the net mood during one of your episodes, and mm-hmm. I asked the question. 
are, is there a rule? I mean, are we going to, can we bring in the quest for Erebor into our guessing of these questions? You know what I mean? It's like, what's the rule? Are we, should we just be sticking to the Hobbit or do we go with the extra stuff? And he never answered me. No, you should use the extra stuff. Oh, Peter, really? Peter extra Jackson stuff. has made it. I mean, the very fact that we have a white council storyline well, means, true. and true. he, and he's, and, but he said time and again that that's when people have asked him, how are you going to turn this into a film, uh, an epic film? And he said, well, we've got way more material to work with than just The Hobbit. So you should be bringing right. this in. We should be, we should be doing that. So that's yeah. another reason to go get Unfinished Tales yes. is that you definitely want to read A Quest for Arab yeah. War and kind of get up to speed on this yeah. stuff. Um, so, by the way, one other thing about uh, Bilbo and his character, and I don't mm-hmm. know if this has any bearing at all, but one of the things that we also know from Comic-Con, the footage, is the scene where Galadriel, I guess they're at Rivendell, is asking Gandalf, why the halfling? Why mm-hmm. did you choose the halfling for this? And um, I don't know that she's necessarily asking it just from the point of view because he's short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she very well may be asking, maybe asking from the point of view of his character, what she's seen of him. Yes. You know, that he just doesn't seem to fit. So that's another kind of argument in favor of this sort of more baggage yeah. kind it's, of thing. And it's clear, it's clear from that the way that scene's handled. I guess Gandalf says something like, you know, well, uh, you know, like uh, the small and the weak. Or, are sometimes right. the best to stand against evil like right it's and that's you know that's drawing on things that he says in the lord of the rings where he right. says um yeah. um uh oft is the who no wait i think elrond says that that uh oft is the way of things that um the small hands do the thing um, i'm paraphrasing this oh right in the it, council of elrond yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, basically yeah. says that that the little people run off and do the important things because the eyes of the greater elsewhere type comment i but, wouldn't be surprised if they didn't borrow that line and give it to gandalf in the hobbit well it's it, it, they're paraphrasing it's not exact but yeah. it's obvious that that's the the you know but i think the the important thing here as you pointed out is what it's clear that they are asking on screen the question why in god's name did gandalf go and get this <laughs> hobbit and send him on this adventure the, you know the same question that anybody who has read the hobbit read the lord of the rings but not really delved into any of the the quest for erebor stuff the same question people inevitably ask like what in the heck was gandalf thinking like is he a right. lunatic and so it's right. clear they're going to ask that on screen here, which is appropriate because I think the audience will. And it and it looks like the answer they're going to go with is something in the vein of what Elrond said, which is, you know, like, oh, well, because I could get a great elf warrior, but it, you know, wouldn't make doesn't make, you know, it, it just wouldn't help. A Hobbit has as much chance to succeed here. And and I believe also in the scene where Gandalf is scolding the dwarves, apparently he says something about which is founded on the the I believe this is rooted in the book that um, dragons won't recognize the smell of a hobbit, so he will be a good right. burglar. That's he right. can sneak in, whereas he'll recognize right. your smell. So that that's you know, right. I, and we know that's true from the book. So, so I, I'm guessing the their on screen explanation is going to be a mixture of, um, is going to be a mixture of uh like the kind of more metaphysical um, philosophical answer about the weak doing the things the strong cannot. And then this uber practical thing, like this is the only middle earth critter sentient being I could dig up that smog wouldn't recognize, you know, sort of a combination right. of those. Right. But I, I do think this seems to be evidence for um, Bilbo being at Baggins early in the story, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of whether there's a lot of on-screen time at the very beginning of the film, Definitely I stand right. by my D answer. <laughs> it, I'm, you know, it, I, I think that it's unlikely that he's going to be a very tookish at the beginning because otherwise, 
you don't need to ask the question why would he go on the adventure. And that's yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking mm-hmm. when you know in but, that conversation is so, she's asking that question. Uh, I never did get to to read what Dwayne wrote, which I think is one of the most important pieces of oh, information. Right, 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 right. Go ahead. Sorry. After rereading a bit of the quest for Erebor. I think there's some good evidence for option B. Gandalf states he thought of Bilbo because he already showed an inquisitive streak. A hobbit named Holman mentions Bilbo's tendency to go off by himself, hoping to run into dwarves or elves. Holman's opinion of Bilbo is still positive, however, but Holman's worried that he's going to get into trouble with his wanderings. I agree... um, uh, I don't know what this word is. Elf- with El Swifto, that's Brent's. Oh, he agrees with El Swifto, Brent's name. That, Bilbo's view of himself, or perhaps what he thinks he should be, and how hobbits see him, are already at odds from the beginning. If Jackson and all were already using the quest as background, uh, that might be something they incorporate, especially because it shows his interactions with other hobbits more objectively. So, I, I think, the reason I think this is an important piece of information, this is, this is why I think that the most likely answer of A through C is B. I really right. do think that, like, if yeah. they're going to show it, they're going to do this more, because... Because what Quist for Erebor shows us is that Tolkien was worrying about these things as he was doing this incorporation of the Hobbit into the larger, you know, epic of the Lord of the Rings. And that the direction he was changing, adapting the story toward was a more complex Bilbo at the beginning who really, you know, isn't just, doesn't just have this latent Took side, but it's a side that actually occasionally is coming out and other people have seen evidence of it. Because that gives Gandalf actual reason to to pick him out of all the hobbits he could you know okay he's choosing a hobbit because smog doesn't know what hobbits smell like but which hobbit do you choose you choose bilbo because he's already wandering around hoping he'll run into elves so right. <laughs> so i actually i think this is a i still think it's be a d i still think we won't see enough time on screen but i think Dwayne Dwayne has a very persuasive yeah. piece of information here that's right that's a that's a good point i think it's a really good point um so let's uh let's do a rundown of what our analysts said. So for A, there's three people who who voted A. Um and that is Arwen of Middle Earth News, that is um Lily and Aloriel of the Warriors of the Westfold podcast, and as we already know, our friends from the Last Alliance, the Tolkien Society of the University of Alberta. Um only one person picked B. The nuanced answer that I think is correct, if D's not, and that's Mark Fisher. Um, <laughs> Which actually um, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't the argument that uh, Brent made that this is that's actually the book answer? So yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> yep. Uh, so so in a sense, you could say that Mark is back to his old ways. <laughs> that's right. Um, Corey is is out on a limb by himself with his he'll be Tookish C answer. And I am keeping company with uh, American Golden Star from a casual stroll to Mordor with D. There won't be enough time on screen. So that's three A's, uh, one B, one C, um, uh, and then three D's. See, I think Corey's going with this heart on this one. You know, it's what he wants to see. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember if he was supportive of that answer, but I, I this is no, one he where did. I, no, he was actually quite supportive of it, but I wanted, think what, what it really rested it? on. Yeah. Well, and I think what it rests on though is, is that you'd have to see other hobbits reactions to Bilbo. And that's, you know, I mean, I think, I think he wants to see that, but mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, 
I guess I'm about ready to, you know, come up with my answer, which is actually I stand with you. I, I agree with you. I think it's D because I just don't think that much screen time is going to be devoted to this. Yep. You know, I don't think we're going to see enough enough interaction and enough, you know, unless, you know, I mean, I could see, I'll tell you what I could see. I could see a short in the extended, you know, on the DVD, you know, like you just said about an office type interview thing. I mean, it would be a, it would be a very funny short, you know, where man on the hobbit on the street, you know, giving, asking people as they pass by, what do you think of Bilbo Baggins? I think that would be hilarious, but I don't think we're going to see it in the movie. And I think, I think it's going to be personally, I think it's fairly easy to lay out the impression in the audience of Bilbo being pretty stodgy. It doesn't take a lot of time for Martin Freeman to kind of demonstrate this on screen. Yeah. Stodgy, you know, set in his ways, kind of, you know, and then you kind of maybe eventually may, and I, you know, I'm definitely thinking that he may hallucinate during the Dwarf song where you start to maybe see a little bit of this come up, you know, and sort of a little bit of longing because I do know that there is a scene where he, we saw in the trailer where he jumps the fence to run off, at, you know, after the hob with the dwarves, which I assume is the next morning mm-hmm. uh, when he leaves without his handkerchief. And so, you know, somewhere between the time they arrive at his doorstep and that he goes, you know, vaulting the fence, something gets awakened in him. But I think I don't think they're going to spend a lot of time developing that whole mm-hmm. thing. And I don't think it necessarily even has to necessarily be, at least in the beginning, it doesn't necessarily have to be called out as a Baggins took thing. I think, like you said, that can be developed later. You know, that could come up later. Yep, that there's these two sides of the family and stuff. So anyway, so I'm with I'm I'm with you. And who am I with? American Golden American Star. American Golden Star. So yeah, okay. The so company. there's four of we us. Now, yes. And we now officially have the majority answer. So no, <laughs> not majority. We have the plurality answer. We have the most Do popular we? answer. Oh, okay. Um, All right. So out of curiosity, if let's disqualify D. Let's assume we have the secret um, uh, uh, secret spy who tells us that there is at least five minutes of screen time devoted to this this uh, showing Bilbo interacting with his fellow hobbits, and that this question is answered definitively at the beginning of the film. So, in other words, you have to pick A, B, or C. Which one right. would you pick? I, I'm with you. I'd go with B, and I think it's you know Dwayne. I think makes a really good case for it in in, in quoting from the quest for Erebor, and mm-hmm. also Brent, you know, and talking about that this is kind of pretty much the way that the book presents it. Um, Interesting. You know, I mean, I remember in the beginning. I mean, you know, and of course, Corey's read The Hobbit a heck of a lot more than I have, but <laughs> um, but I recall from my latest reading, which was last semester. They do talk about, you know, Belladonna and they do talk about the Took. I mean, it's kind of brought up. It's almost like a foreshadowing element kind of, you know, where mm-hmm. where it's like the narrator kind of says, well, he, he has these latent tendencies, but he didn't really know it at the time. So, so I mean, I think, you know, I think it's going to be – I think it would be B, you know, where he kind of does tend a tendency to go off on his own, but he's still pretty – he still tries to keep himself a bag and a bag end. Yep. I, I... – Oh, obviously, I agree. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no God. we have nothing to debate here. You yeah, know. I know. How boring. Know. Um, well, that's okay because we're an hour and a half into our chat anyway, or, or close to that. So that's right. So uh, good. Well, um, I think the only thing that's really left to do then to discuss is our uh, our digest yes no. And um, you already said it. Where we were going to ask. 
will Bilbo do his hallucination during the dwarf song at Bag End? <laughs> That's what I wrote. I said, will Bilbo hallucinate during the dwarf song? <laughs> yeah. On, will he hallucinate on screen? On screen. Okay, yes. on, on screen. Yeah, as part of the screen. Yeah, as part of the story. It I must say be shown yes. on the screen. We right. must actually – we must see the hallucination. Right, that, that, right. We always We always have to be very specific about that because otherwise we think there's going to be somebody that's going to argue that, oh, he was hallucinating. They just didn't show just us his internal it. hallucination. So, so we'll, I'm thinking like um, who I think it was Yana that said it. You know where where we see maybe the fire. I think this actually happens in the book too, where he's looking in the fire, and then you know from the fire, then we suddenly see you know some some visions come up yes. and scenes that we we understand are coming from from Bilbo. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. What do you hmm. think? I I say yes. What do you think? Do you think that'll show up? I was leaning toward no, but I was thinking this would be an excellent place to insert the smog backstory. Ah, that's true. And I, I remember I had thought of that at one point. I think yeah. I even mentioned that during one of the episodes. Because, yeah, we were trying to think where these things could go. And I had said during, this, during the Dwarf song, because the song covers that part of it, right? There's mm-hmm. actually a verse. And I thought you could actually show some of that. In yeah, the, it yeah. seems like a really good place to put it. I'm, I don't know. It, it conflicts with my belief that they'll put the dragon stuff in the second film. So, um, Well, it doesn't mean they couldn't do a little uh, bit. Yeah, okay. Let's see. So let's see. We've seen a lot of shots of them singing, right? Right. So um, we know that. I mean, I'm assuming that's going to be in the movie. It may get cut, but I can't imagine that it will. And... When they did it on screen in the trailer, they overlaid the song on the on other scenes from the film. So right. we right. have to assume one of two things. One, either the song will not be shown in its entirety in the film. Or two, there will be something shown on screen while they're singing. Right. It seems very unlikely that they will show us on screen while they're singing them standing around singing. <laughs> That's... Now they they may it may cut away to the smog story without it being hallucination. Mm-hmm. In other that's... words, it could it could become a like a flashback that's not ha, doesn't have anything to do with with Bilbo having the actual vision. That's a good point. Um, but that still doesn't really affect my reasoning. It seems seems as though they could they could show it. I, I'm more worried about. I'm more just fixated on. I think if they do Bil- if they show Bilbo hallucinating. What they will show will be the smog, smog's attack on Lonely Mountain. I don't think right. they'll show anything else. I'm just – I have this thing where I thought that the smog's attack on the Lonely Mountain wouldn't be shown until the second film. I, one thing's for sure, I, I, and I will stand by this. I do not think we will see the dragon on screen until Bilbo walks into his, his the, the giant hall of the Lonely, of the Lonely Mountain. So. Yeah, I think the most we're going to see until I agree with you. I think the most we're going to see until uh, until then is maybe a claw, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe an eye. I mean, you know, a, a thing of fire coming from you know something off screen. I don't think. We're gonna see, yeah, yeah, we're not going to see the whole dragon. I don't think until you're right until the second movie so. until he's in in the mountain. All right, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna cop okay. out. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna I'm gonna hinge it on like. Oh well, maybe we'll get to maybe we'll see something while they're singing, but it won't actually be Bilbo's hallucination. It'll be more just a flashback. Right. So, well, and the thing for me with it being Bilbo hallucinating, and I don't know if I need to put this in the question art. You tell me. Is the re you know the thing with Bilbo hallucinating is that it will have something to do with his change of heart about going on or his decision to go ahead and go on a trip. Mm-hmm. In other words, this hallucination would have an impact. It, it actually has a bearing on his character arc. In other words, yeah. 
Okay, so so I'm going to say yes. You're going to say no, and then we'll see what happens. That's good. We should because the last time we both agreed. So. Yep. In fact, I think we've we've agreed like fairly almost. In, we've agreed on every one of these digest questions so far. Oh, that's right. So yeah, you and I actually have. So this is good. So we finally have. We're having our first fight, Dave. Yeah, first time <laughs> we've actually disagreed, uh, and and I think we've actually been fairly close on the other questions too. We disagreed on the first okay. one and the fourth one, but otherwise we've been pretty close. So pretty close. Yeah. So anyway, well, we have to have a little bit of controversy here. Yeah, you know? I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> Um, so, uh, any other com? any other last comments you'd like to add about, um, uh, these topics about either the frame, the frame narrative and the way the film will begin or about Bilbo's portrayal? I don't think so. I think that both of these are really good questions. I think it's going to be really interesting right. to see how this goes. I'll be sitting in the theater, you know, with my little, with my little, you know, score sheet, you know, yep. checking off stuff when I watch the movie. And this yes. is these are definitely two of the questions that I'm going to be really interested in. And seeing. I can't wait to I can't wait to record a uh, an episode of Reels in the Dark where basically we just record and broadcast um, uh, our committee meeting yeah. to argue about what the correct <laughs> answer was. That's right. That'll be at least one episode where everybody's trying to figure out what is the right answer for this question. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think that's going to be pretty entertaining. Uh, we're, you know, you're going to have to have like a, 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 a an odd number of people so you have a tiebreaker if you need it. Yep. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we've covered everything pretty much. I mean, we'll see because I'm sure our listeners will have comments on this and I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to say about this, you know, to bring up some more stuff. I hope listeners will go read the quest for Erebor and see if there's any more information there or the appendices that we've missed, maybe that would point us one one direction or another on these questions. Yep. Yep. And we definitely want to hear from you. So um, uh, post all of your feedback on, we will, when we release this episode, we will make a post to the Mythgard, um, page under the riddles in the dark section. And that's at mythgard.org slash exclusives slash riddles dash in dash the dash dark. Um, you can, <laughs> you can find it fairly easily. Um, Go leave your comments there. You can also comment on Facebook on the Tolkien Professor page or the Mythgard page. Uh, you can also send us your feedback on Twitter uh, at Tolkien Prof at Dave Kale D A V E K A L E. And are, do you use Twitter much, Trish? Not too often, although I am at Trish Lambert. It's my name, Trish Lambert, T R I S H L A M B T. But I'm, folks can find me hanging out on the Tolkien Professor Facebook page a lot. Yes. Um, and actually, the, uh, the, uh, if you're going to send us your feedback on Twitter, the, the main thing to do is include the hashtag pound right. riddles in the dark. If you do that, right. I'll, I'll find you because I just well, searched and for I'll that. Fi- yeah, I'll be able to find that. Yeah. Right, um, good. So uh, we are we have at least at least um, one more ri- digest episode before we have officially caught up. And once we've caught <laughs> up, there will kind of be a stagger. So um Actually, I think we're we're technically caught up uh, because we're going to record a new Riddles in the Dark tomorrow, which is July 17th, and then the next Digest episode will be recorded probably sometime next week, and it will be covering 11 and 12. Um, and so we will ha- we'll have our we'll we'll have officially caught up to our one episode lag 
on. Well, the uh, only one is we have still have to do the number yeah. eight one, but we have to wait until five. We're just going to. I think we're. Yeah. I think what we'll do is. Um, so reels in the dark thirteen comes out this week. Then the digest covering eleven and twelve comes out next week. Then riddles in the dark fourteen will be the following week, and then the digest covering thirteen will be that week, and we'll just include eight. That oh, okay, cool. We'll do that eight and thirteen like together, idea. and we'll be caught up. So, very and so exciting. we're officially we're officially declaring ourselves caught up at this point, yep. right? All yep. right. So when, cool. and and uh, and then once we're there, I think there'll be a really exciting opportunity to. Um, uh, you know, we won't, since since we won't be co- you know cramming two topics into every episode, it's going to be a really exciting opportunity to either um, do shorter episodes, <laughs> um, and or or address other things on the show, uh, news or more right. get into more of our user feedback. Um, as you mentioned um, uh, in the Skype chat window earlier. We're probably going to have to start doing digests of digests, like revisit comments on digest episodes right. that were commentary on past Riddles <laughs> in the Dark episodes. So I, I think we'll have more time to address uh, comments on the digest episodes once we've once we're officially caught up and we're only doing one one episode per one riddle one Riddles in the Dark uh, riddle per uh, digest episode. So. That's- uh, and then maybe we can maybe then we'll we'll have started expanding our team. By the way, all of you who've sent me an email, um, uh, I, I probably hopefully will email you before you hear, you hear this because this. <laughs> this isn't coming out for another week probably. But all you've sent me an email. Thank you very much. I will get back to you. Um, we'll be honest at this point. We're sort of like we're kind of we're sort of at a point where we're like, uh, oh wow, what do we do with all these people? Because um, because uh, you know like. We, we, we want help, but we're still figuring out how best to, to sort of expand our team. I mean, I would love it if I had people who could edit podcasts and help with the production stuff, but I, I nobody was really gung-ho about that. Most people seemed either like, I want to help. Uh, tell me what to do. Or there were a few people <laughs> who wrote and said, I'd love to help. I don't want to edit podcasts. So, <clears throat> But we're going to expand our team, which probably what that's going to mean is just generally more – content not in terms of podcasts but more like posts blog posts twitter right. you know tweeting right. tweeting right. and discussion and more right. curation of the MythGuard page and the facebook pages and stuff so um so lots of exciting things coming for riddles in the dark and riddles in the dark digest especially as the fall approaches um and Corey's book comes out and all that kind of stuff um i want you guys to know that i'm i'm already working on getting a booth at uh, next year's San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, that would be so awesome! Yeah, I called the number today, and the lady was like, um, the the, exi- the people who handle exhibitors are, did not come into work today. <laughs> so, uh, so, so she gave me an email to email. And I know Corey and Middle Earth Network are both working on getting at New York Comic-Con. So oh, I'm hoping wow. that we'll have presence at the New York Comic-Con in October and then San Diego next next summer. So, lots of exciting stuff happening around The Hobbit and around Riddles in the Dark. Um, so, uh, anyway... Al- by the way, I also want to thank everybody who's welcomed me. There's been some very nice positive feedback from our co-hosting oh, of this digest, and I appreciate it. And as I told one person, um, I do not take the honor lightly, because I know that Corey and Dave are very quality-oriented. So, um, you know, I certainly don't take this for granted, and I do appreciate all the thumbs up we've been getting. So, yep, great. Don't worry. Thanks. If you start to suck, we'll fire you. <laughs> That's right. You guys aren't shy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, anyway, really, really exciting stuff. Keep, 
you know, uh, stick with us, keep listening, um, keep sending us your feedback. If you have requests or things you'd like to see us do, send that. Um, uh, if you have ideas, if you'd like to help out, you know, despite my, my message, despite what I just said, where I'm like, we don't even know what to do with all these people. We will find something to do with all the people yes. want to help. Like, yes. cause this is ultimately about building a community and a team. So keep it coming. Um, keep sending your feedback, keep telling us what you think, keep volunteering to help if you can. Uh, and let's just keep the conversation going. I would like to thank, um, obviously Corey, the Tolkien professor. I would like to thank my lovely co-host Trish. Um, I would like to thank uh, all of our analysts, Mark Fisher from the Encyclopedia of Arda, Google it, American Golden Star of A Casual Stroll to Mordor, casualstrolltomordor.com. On Twitter, they're at Stroll to Mordor. They also have Facebook, YouTube uh, pages, a Flickr account. Um, Father Roderick Von Hogan from SQPN. TheHobbit.SQPN.com is our podcast page, at Hobbit Podcast on Twitter, also on Facebook. Arwen of Middle Earth News, she's at news.mymiddleearth.com, at Middle Earth News is her Twitter account. Lillian O'Loriel of Warriors of the Westfold Podcast, you can listen to them live every Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Middle Earth Radio. That's radio.mymiddleearth.com. And their, pod, their Twitter is at Westfold Warriors. The Last Alliance, the University of Alberta Tolkien, Soci- Alberta Tolkien Society. And if you Google them, you can find their webpage and listen to their podcast. Um, and then finally, of course, I want to thank John D. Bartolo and the Lonely Mountain Band and also of Middle Earth Network for allowing us to use his music for the intro and outro uh, of this podcast. Um, you can hear samples and purchase his albums at minstrelsongs.com. So, uh, thank you very much to our listeners, and thank you for all of our feed- the feedback you've sent. And uh, finally, Trish, why don't you take us away? Thanks for listening, and Godspeed. Godspeed.